Welcome to Shift with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. Most of us thought that working from home is going to be easy, but guess what? It isn't really because that is again that is not new news to us. Because if you're like most of the people, you're probably facing some kind of stress with long working hours, increased pressure, limited opportunities, and that could cause long-term health effects. One of the reasons why most people are facing this is because the workload is increasing, but we aren't really equipping our brains with the right amount of fuels or let's call them hacks to perform at the top of our game. And I want you to know that there is some light at the end of the tunnel and today i have brought on someone really special with who we're going to discuss how we can decode our superhuman mind my guest on the show today is the founder of decoding superhuman podcast where he interviews top performance in all industries his mission is to elevate the human performance which is in line with what we believe at shift with cj which is to increase human potential and performance by educating, elevating, and empowering individuals to lead a healthy, happy, and fulfilled life. He, ladies and gentlemen, are, is also the CEO of Proscriptions, as well as health optimization practice in Europe. Boomer Allison, welcome to the show. CJ, I am so excited to be here today. This is going to be a lot of fun, and you know, I'm blushing after the intro, but I know I've had this event on my calendar for a long time, and I'm really glad we're going to have this conversation today. I'm really glad that we could finally get some time and squeeze this in, and mm -hmm. I hope and I know that a lot of people will find a lot of value from this, so I'm looking forward mm -hmm. too. Now, Boomer, the health and wellness industry is starting to pick up all over the world. In some parts of the world, it was already like booming, but in some other parts of the world, people are understanding the importance and they know now that health is probably your biggest wealth. And people often, when I talk to people, they often tell me, yes, I am being healthy because I'm moving around a lot. And when I try to dig deep into it and understand like what they eat and they're like, yes, I do eat healthy, but what is healthy? So healthy, <laughs> according to most people, is oatmeal in the morning or some yeah. brown bread with toast or jam and a large glass of orange juice for mm. breakfast because, hey, you've got to get those vitamin C, right? And of then course. they also go to the gym, but then are sitting in upwards of like nine to 10 hours per day. And most of the people aren't paying attention to their water, their air, and the kind of products around them, which can also be toxic. Mm -hmm. So I want you to tell the audience your story and how after discovering a news after, just after your 30th birthday, that news changed your life. Sure. Uh, you know, the whole story could probably take several hours, but let's try and break this down into something that's fun and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. just to give a sense of everybody where I'm coming from here. So uh, if we were to go way, way back, uh, just to even sort of give you the set and setting of my family growing up, my parents were two almost diametrically opposite people in the sense that my dad was an operations manager at a mutual fund in the finance industry and was very 
disciplined, very uh, strict, very uh, you know structured in his ways, incredibly mm-hmm. calculated. My mother, on the other hand, was she did work in the steel industry before I was born, but then she became a stay-at-home mother and eventually uh, moved into the world of yoga and became uh, quite a successful yoga teacher. And so you can imagine growing up in sort of this uh, this family where my father was teaching me finance and my mother was reading the Bhagavad Gita, right? And so mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a very different uh, upbringing than most people had. And so I had very early on exposure, predominantly through my mother, of how health can equate to higher levels of performance, um, both physically and mentally. And I sought to really push it to the maximum possible level and that pushing that was really what led me to wall street in 2008 and then eventually got me sent to singapore in 2010 and so i went into investment banking and i was this healthy individual in fact health has always played a huge role in my life whether it was athletics or academics you know you always just used health to push it to that next level so everything that you've heard about finance is true especially those first two years in investment banking and um, like many people in finance who were also interested in health, my main goal at that time was to sleep less, work more, and to really just look good naked. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I was using health as a tool to do those things, but I became obsessed with this uh, this movement at the time called the Quantified Self Movement, which Quantified Self at that point was started by Gary Wolf and uh, Kevin Kelly, who's the founder of Wired Magazine. And what we did was, is we used N of one experimentation to seek ways to optimize ourselves. Again, remembering my goals here, it was sleep less, work more, look good naked, right? And so I was tracking uh, things usually in a simple spreadsheet of associations with alcohol, coffee consumption, whatever it was, and how I felt the the next day. Um, I, at that time, was getting very into the CrossFit movement, doing workouts up to 12 times per week. At that point, there was one year where I was actually looking to go to regionals. If there's anything you know about CrossFit, um, it could be very, very extreme workouts. But what they don't tell you is at the highest level, people don't train 100% or give it 100% in every single workout because your body can't physically handle that uh, without Mm -hmm. the use of really anabolics. But uh, when I really got even deeper into health was what you alluded to earlier. So at the age of 30, uh, at this point, I'm running numerous uh, physical tests on myself every year. I'm getting blood tests every year. And I was getting those traditional physicals, which, uh, you know, the doctors were always like, hey, you're healthy. But uh, at 30, I decided I was going to quit my job and go off and build an app because, you know, everybody was building apps in those days. And, and so I go into, uh, my doctor right before quitting and said, Hey, test me for everything there is. Let's throw the kitchen sink at this thing. And one of those tests was a calcium score and a calcium score just simply is think of it as like a picture of your heart to detect any calcium in your arteries. And they found calcium in my left interior descending artery, which is codenamed the widow maker. And so at the age of 30, I found out that I had, um, was effectively known as cardiovascular disease. And that really uh, sent me on essentially a different path than I ever thought possible. Um, and so that the circumstances that kind of 
happened afterwards were what led me to where I am today. I had a numerous doctors, all of the best physicians in Singapore telling me I needed to do this and need to do that, whatever, and that it was all a cholesterol issue. And it turns out that my cholesterol was perfectly fine. It wasn't a cholesterol issue. And when you start diving into a lot of these diseases of modernity, whether it be cancer, neurodegenerative disease, whatever it is, and I'm not a doctor for full disclosure, but you start to look at the these diseases and realize that it is a multifactorial problem. And so I began to unpack that in a very methodical and data-driven way uh, using things like genetic testing, um, advanced lab testing, and really just getting into the data, the biochemistry, et cetera, to understand what exactly caused this. And you start to realize that a lot of these factors that we work with in health optimization medicine and practice um, all play a role, right? Chronobiology. From the age of 1830, I was sleeping four to six hours a, a week. Exposomics. Ouch. So you're, yeah, exactly, right? Uh, yeah, it's one of those basics that you need to check, right? Uh, so, there. Yeah, exposomics, which is study of your environment. And so I had um, pretty high mercury toxicities, but also exposure to lots of uh, jet fuel because I was flying all over the world. Uh, you look at things like uh, metabolomics and my Krebs cycle was being impaired because of things like those heavy metals, but also because um, of deficiencies in numerous minerals. And your Krebs cycle contributes to the production of ATP, which is essentially your body's energy currency. Um, then you get into uh, numerous other factors and essentially the system itself was broken, but it wasn't what every physician on the planet was or in, sorry, not on the planet, in the island of Singapore was telling me. And so I sat out on this path uh, to really dissect it and start to mm -hmm. optimize my life. And that was about five years ago now. And so uh -huh. since that point, I've had the pleasure of starting a podcast, um, working with some of the most amazing doctors and physicians in the world, because uh, as you know, with having a podcast, people will actually talk to you at that level, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, just having a lot of fun with it too. And so it's been an amazing journey, but uh, suffice to say, I'm in a very different and much better position than I was five years ago. Well, congratulations. I think what you have done in the past five years is just so much and you honestly have been an inspiration certainly in my life and the life of many others um, because of the work that you do and the things that you bring into this world thank But you you're coming from a background of finance and you traded your first stock when you were like 12 so you're like a pretty smart guy. Everyone who's listening, I want you to know that Boomer is a very smart guy. Well, I don't know if I was smart, right? Because I bought it and it went down like 50% and then eventually came back up. But it was just more like it was something that interested me. But uh, go for okay. it. But then fast forward, you have also helped like governments and companies all around the world to make so much money, right? And you, like you mentioned, you've traveled so much. But let me ask you, didn't you like dressing up in a suit and like going and having late night steak dinners and cigars. Like, <laughs> isn't that the thing everyone's looking for? Yeah. So it's funny when I was younger and you mentioned like at 12, I did trade my first stock and I got a lot smarter about trading after I was 12, but, and I still trade today because I love finance, but mm -hmm. 
you know, once and the dream was always to to work in investment banking, but once you get there, you realize that the dream isn't exactly the same as what they portray in movies like Wall Street or Wolf of Wall Street or whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of both bureaucracy, but also um, internal compliance stuff that you have to deal with. And what was interesting about that was, yeah, did I enjoy the travel around the world? Absolutely. Like I was going to Dubai four or five times a year and, Mm. you know, I love visiting cities, experiencing new cultures. And I think that was actually the most exciting part of the job for me. And yes, it, there are some perks of going to uh, new cities and having somebody pay, uh, you know, having somebody else pay for going to the Michelin star restaurant. But at the same time, you know, it's just you could notice the effects right like i mm-hmm. told you i was sleeping four to six hours a night and that's the truth um and you can kind of look at yourself in the mirror and say like eh, this isn't really aligned with my goals and you know it, you start to get really really angry and aggressive towards people even though you're probably in the top 0.5 percent of incomes globally at that mm-hmm. point um and you know, very much so. Look, I loved finance, as I've mentioned before. I loved what I was doing, the clients I was working with, but your time was not your own. And that's always the trade-off, right? Is that you sacrifice your time for, for the money. And also, you know, you sacrifice your health too, because the the cigars, the wine, the uh, five nights a week out entertaining people, it all adds up. And so, um, you know, there's, there's a certain, uh, I guess you can call it release or relief, if you will, in taking a break from that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, nothing wrong with finance. Um, and if I, if I was only doing finance and doing what I thought I was going to be doing when I was 16 years old and trading stocks, that would have been great. But there was a lot of other stuff there that I didn't necessarily enjoy or uh, didn't think there were great perks of the job, so to speak. This reminds me of that classical saying, don't judge a book by its cover. And most of the things that are happening in the world today is like when you look at young people, like I'm sure when you were 16 and then when um, someone is 16 right now or 15 right now, we just get so influenced by seeing what is being portrayed in the outside world. But it's only when you take a deep dive and then there will always be someone in your life who will come up and say like, hey, listen, you're thinking that it's going to be that way, but it won't. But then you're too smart at that time, right? You don't want to listen to anyone. And then of you just jump into it. And then you realize the circadian rhythm disruptions, the, the mood swings that you've been talking about, the whole energy metabolism thing going down. But what I like about you, Boomer, is that you don't fall in either of the extreme camps or either of the extreme spectrums. Like for... It just when it comes to optimal health, because you're not out there saying that, hey, ancestral wisdom and techniques are the only ways to get optimum health, or you're not like the crazy biohackers who want to plant a chip in their head and so they can maximize their life or optimize their life rather. But I like your approach because you're like, hey, we now have an opportunity to use technology and extract data from some of the devices and understand like what is really going on and then look at either if you're looking at a hundred years old way to solve the problem or something that has been released in this year's science journal. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that about you. And you also mentioned you are the CEO and you are a health optimization practitioner. 
But now anyone who's listening to this, even with the most basic command over English language, will understand what that means if you break it down, health, optimization, practitioner. But it is not one of those things that you can walk into a commercial um, building or an office building and see signboards for. So tell us what is health optimization medicine and talk to us about Dr. Ted Achakaso. Yeah, so Dr. Ted is my mentor. And what's funny about this is uh, we talked earlier about starting podcasts and what the benefits of that are. So um, one of the reasons why I initially started my podcast was because um, I was trying to dissect a lot what was going on in my cardiovascular system, but also underneath the hood in my body. And mm-hmm. a podcast gives you an excuse to really reach out to anyone in the world. And people love to talk and people love to give advice. And uh, sometimes you just really get lucky with the the guests that you have. And so I had Dr. Ted on my podcast and we were scheduled to speak for 45 minutes. And we spoke for three hours. And at the end of that conversation, I just said like, hey, how do I learn from you? And he invited me to the Philippines, and at the time, they they needed somebody to help his foundation in in Europe. And so you asked a very simple question. I'm giving you a very long answer. But uh, Health Optimization Medicine and Practice is a non-for-profit foundation which seeks to educate doctors and health practitioners on how to optimize for health rather than treat disease. And what's funny is, is if you think about it simplistically, this means that there is a flaw in our education system in the sense that all of these people, and they're incredibly bright, and they're going to school for a very long time, but they're not being taught uh, how to balance nutrients. They're not being taught how to balance hormones. And so what we are seeking to do is to offer a complimentary service, which is a service that I looked for when I was, you know, 28, 29, and sort of craving a guide, if you will, to help me optimize my health. Because I was going to the doctors and they were telling me I was quote unquote healthy, but I just felt like something was off. And so after speaking with Dr. Ted, of course, I was all over this and absolutely loved what they're doing. And so health optimization medicine practice, um, again, is a nonprofit where you can sign up and take online courses, which you can implement in your your own practice. And I have a telehealth practice with uh, operating with executives and entrepreneurs all around the world. And you can take that and implement it in your practices today. And so we have uh, physicians in the Philippines, the United States, Australia, basically all over the world, uh, the UK, many places in Europe, etc. But what we do uh, right now is we offer a curriculum and, you know, we can talk a little bit about uh, different constituents of that curriculum, but at a high level, there are seven pillars, um, Mm -hmm. epigenetics, metabolomics. Let's see if I can get them all without actually looking. Um, Chronobiology, uh, exposomics. We get into um, evolutionary medicine, as well as we have advanced modules in cannabis and peptides, and of course, hormone balancing and a few others. And so there's, oh, and the gut immune system, of course. And so there's seven... There's seven foundational modules. Um, All of those can contribute to this idea of health optimization because 
it's in the past we've organized ourselves in silos and that was largely due to um, just abilities to communicate and the fact that we didn't have cars, planes, trains, automobiles, and this thing called the internet. Well, now we do have all of that. And so uh, health optimization medicine and practice is the ideal platform for somebody who's looking to have a, a telehealth uh, business or just educate themselves, frankly, um, about how to optimize for health rather than treat disease. Amazing. I must say, I did not have a clear understanding of this before, but now my understanding and my curiosity has peaked up to 100%. Good, good. <laughs> Let's move on. Now, in the beginning of this show, in the introduction, I also mentioned that nowadays people tend to work from home. And I remember when this was first introduced, everyone, almost everyone that I spoke to was very happy because they could spend more time at home and they thought it's going to be relaxing and fun. But fast forward a few months, all the people who said this wanted to go back to the office. Yeah. Because they couldn't, they couldn't like focus at home with all the distractions and the workload, as I mentioned, starts to increase a lot and everyone's like squeezing in the extra hours. And most of the people's home at that point wasn't built to support this work, whether you talk about ergonomics or even a normal working environment. So what people try to do to get themselves to squeeze more juice out of their brain is normally they take an approach of blocking adenosine receptors in the brain by consuming lots and lots of caffeine or coffee. But then I'm sure, Boomer, you and I can agree that 90% of the people in the world are buying the average coffee, which makes your heartbeat go up. It Mm -hmm. makes you jittery. It makes you stress. And, you know, it comes from different storage facilities and plantation practices, which would encourage either the growth and deposit of Um, toxin compounds like mycotoxins or things like okra toxin A. And if you're listening to the podcast, I'm pleased to tell you that this doesn't have to be your fate. Now, Boomer, tell us about nootropics, what they are and what do they do? (laughs) So nootropics are just uh, somewhat of a fascinating topic, right? Because let's get into uh, a little bit of the history here. So in 1972 was actually when a guy by the name of Cornelio, and I'm going to butcher his name, Jordiao or Jordo, um, Mm -hmm. turned or created the term nootropics. Uh, He was also the guy who first synthesized something called pure acetam. And uh, in the past, nootropics, based on his definition, should enhance learning and memory, enhance the resistance of learned behaviors and memories to conditions which disrupt them, uh, protect the brain against chemical or physical injuries, increase the efficacy of control mechanisms in the brain, and possess, possess very few downsides. But over the course of the past 50 years since this definition uh, came out, uh, what we've cosmetically referred to as nootropics is actually more of a definition of new, of smart drugs. Um, mm-hmm. And so smart drugs or nootropics, as the term is currently used, is often referred to as uh, ways to improve your brain's performance without any, or sorry, uh, ways to just improve your brain's performance at any cost. So that's classically what a smart drug is. And so the one that uh, you mentioned already is caffeine. Well, caffeine is one of the world's oldest and also most used nootropics. Uh, You can use it to block adenosine receptors, as you rightfully alluded to. Uh, It also increases alertness. Now, 
since this definition, the original definition, which I outlined earlier, was over 50, no, close to 50 years old now, and mm -hmm. the new definition is just kind of not encompassing everything, uh, we thought at Transcriptions that we needed to redefine nootropics. Actually, Dr. Ted came up with a new definition, which we define nootropics as any agent influence or lifestyle which helps optimize the health of the brain and or optimizes the ability ability to perform a task. So that mm -hmm. requires us to then break down nootropics into a few separate categories. And so, okay, with UCJ, I can go into some of those categories right now. Please, that's okay. please go ahead. Yeah, sure. So, as I alluded to um, already, so a nootropic is something that enhances the health of the brain or your ability to perform a task, and that could be a lifestyle component, but that can also be something that is taken in a capsule. Now, currently out mm -hmm. there, people think of this as something that is taken in a capsule, and so. If we were to now break down nootropics into three separate categories based on our new definition, that should include health optimization nootropics, performance optimization nootropics, and then bluetropics. So health optimization nootropics are uh, nootropics uh, or some sort of, again, lifestyle activity or nutrient mm -hmm. that helps improve the health of your brain. So the classic example here uh, would be something like L-tyrosine. L-tyrosine is an, uh, an amino acid which can lead to the production of dopamine and several other neurotransmitters. But from a lifestyle component, because I said there's lifestyle components here, we can think of something like sun in the production of vitamin D. Sleep is therefore a definition or by definition a nootropic, um, but also things like exercise. And if you think about exercise, let's see, like how is exercise a nootropic, right? Well, exercise, of course, cr increases cerebral blood flow. It also increases the production of brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which think mm -hmm. of that as just a way of increasing focus. Um, and does so many wonderful and beautiful things for your body. So health optimization nootropics are things that help increase the health of your brain. Now let's get into performance optimization nootropics. And there's this fascinating study uh, that actually looked at a um, the Canadian Royal Air Force and or it's the Royal Canadian Air Force. I may be getting the, the, that mixed up there. And they had them perform a dogfight. So go up in planes and picture Top Gun if you've ever seen the movie. And, mm -hmm. you know, go into just sort of a simulated dogfight after 24 hours of sleep deprivation. Well, we know that sleep deprivation has an impact on how you perform cognitively, right? If you were to, you know, CJ, if you were to have an all-nighter right before this podcast, it'd probably be very difficult for you to read or just ask questions, right? Um, it'd be... It'd be something Unless I you, took a compound like modafinil or something. Yeah, right and on. so you actually just nailed it on the head. So with this dogfight, they actually took modafinil. And okay. so in modafinil, it actually increased the performance of these sleep-deprived uh, flight pilots or uh, fighter pilots. And, you know, that is just the perfect example of a performance optimization nootropic. Obviously, I am 
temporarily improving the performance of the brain, but I am not necessarily improving the health of the brain. Mm-hmm. So modafinil is a perfect one. Another one that we also like to, uh, to use um, and is one of the reasons why my tongue is blue right now um, is nicotine. And so nicotine is a performance optimization nootropic. It brings you up when you're down. It brings you down when you're up. It can help certainly a lot with verbal fluidity. But if you take too much of that, meaning something like five milligrams a day, it can become potentially addictive and then therefore Mm -hmm. harmful, right? Uh, so that's performance optimization nootropics. And then finally, the last category that we came up with is something called bluetropics. And uh, bluetropics is a either compound or what is more commonly referred to in the nootropics world as a stack uh, that has both health optimization and performance optimization components. And these compounds are actually quite rare in the wild, if you speak, so, so to speak. The quintessential compound that um, is the reason why we call it bluetropics is actually methylene blue. And so methylene blue, from a health optimization nootropic standpoint, um, helps uh, oxygenate your, your organs. It helps contribute to the production of ATP, which is your body's cr- uh, sort of energy currency, if you will. And mm-hmm. it from a performance optimization standpoint helps with both spatial and non-spatial memory. And so methylene blue is the quintessential blue tropic, and it's one of the few singular compounds that you find in that space. But also you have stacks, um, Neurohacker, and they are friends of mine, even though we have a, a comp- competing business, has a stack called Qualia, which is both a health optimization nootropic and a performance optimization nootropic. At Transcriptions, we've created one as well, and that was our first product, and that was Blue Can which has methylene blue, nicotine, uh, hemp crystals, beautifully derived, as we say. You can think of that as CBD, and then caffeine, a micro amount of caffeine. And so all of that um, is really how we look at nootropics, but I like to always put this in context for people. What can they help you do? Well, you know, they can help, like I use blue canatine anytime I need to do strategic thinking or to get into flow states. Um, but for endurance workouts, something like just blue can work very, very well. I've already mentioned nicotine is very good for verbal fluidity. And so these nootropics can each have their different roles, but they can help our brains perform better so that going back to your original statement, if we're stuck at home and we only have a certain amount of time to get a task done and you really need to get locked in fast, well, aside from embracing Parkinson's law and having that sort of time bound, you can also use some of these substances and compounds to help your brain perform better. Well, that's very well said. And so many things were running through my mind as you were saying that. Well, one thing was that I wanted to talk to the audience about this. If you've been following me on Instagram, you would normally notice that every time I'm reading a big book or mostly when I'm out and I'm hiking, my tongue, if you've seen some pictures, you know that when I'm smiling, my tongue is blue. And I have not officially gone on Instagram or any of my blogs and mentioned about this compound But that compound, as Boomer rightly mentioned, is also a performance nootropic, which is called methylene blue. And basically what happens is you take this nootropic, 
Um, I'm sure you have a um, different delivery mechanism, but for me, I just use pharmaceutical grade um, nootropic. Uh, yeah, pharmaceutical grade is important. We can get into a reason why, but um, go for it. Yeah, and um, I've been using this um, for the past few months. And the thing is, in Dubai, we don't have availability of such things. And some of these things are still under research, so it's not easy to get your hands on them. But I also have um, been blessed to travel a lot last year. And I've got my hands on something called Methylene Blue. And as well, like right now, if you're watching this on video, you can see that I'm chewing a gum. And this is my way of consuming nicotine. Mm -hmm. Now, nicotine, as Boomer mentioned, has profound effects. It can improve your working memory. It enhances memory consolidation on the top of everything that Boomer said. And it also increases the efficiency of something called an acetylcholine, which is a neurotransmitter and a receptor. And basically, it also helps your nervous system function better. So I really like what you've just said. And it's good that I could jump in and just give examples of these right now, because mm -hmm. you're right. Nicotine also is addictive, uh, full disclosure. This is why most of the people um, get addicted to something like cigarettes. But that is not what me, Boomer, or anyone in the health practice will ever tell you, that you don't have to get your nicotine just because just because some some part of something is good that doesn't mean that you have to get a lot of it so yeah. ditch the cigarettes we're not talking about cigarettes we're talking about clean sources of nicotine which can be microdose in a way because like let's look at it right even if you're having the lightest cigarette one of those thin ones that you see these days floating around i don't even know what it's called but that itself will give you about 18 18 to 20 milligrams of nicotine. And what mm -hmm. Boomer said was, you know, have less than five. What I'm using is, it depends on the day. It goes from anywhere between two to four micrograms of nicotine per serving. And that's all I need. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really happy that you mentioned that. Now, Boomer, you mentioned that uh, methylene blue also increases um, the, the production or like the efficiency of your organs. Is it, is this doing by affecting the mitochondria and the cell? Yeah, that's a very good question, right? So methylene blue uh, can serve as both an electron donor and electron receiver, and it's one of the few compounds that does this. Um, and it's been a while, and I've had the pleasure of speaking with uh, some of the world's foremost experts on methylene blue, like Francisco Gonzalez Nima out of the University of Texas. And, um, you know, methylene blue, aside from contributing as an electron donor in the Krebs cycle, uh, also contributes to uh, the benefits of cytochrome C oxidase, um, mm -hmm. which uh, if you kind of look at just sort of how the Krebs cycle works, you eventually have uh, increased oxygen capacity as a result of that, right? And so it's, it's just a, such a fascinating compound because like, let's go back through the history of methylene blue, right? And so in the late 1800s, it became the first compound or first chemical that was approved by the FDA. In fact, they were using it then to treat for malaria. But it also uh, it also can serve as a dye for blue genes. Um, and in that's the medical... what it has been used, right? What, for what's industries. That? Sorry, uh, that is what it had been initially used, right? Yeah. As a in the industry of like dyeing blue genes, blue exactly. 
exactly. And look, I've dyed multiple surfaces in my home as a result of using <laughs> methylene blue. And so it is still a very effective <laughs> dye, but then they started using it in the medical world and they use it in the medical world to identify first parts of our nervous system. And then they, and I used it in psychiatry to make sure that people were taking their medicine because you would be able to see, uh, and I know this because I take methylene blue daily, uh, you'd be able to see that your pee, uh, when you go to urinate actually turns a color of, you know, sort of uh, either green or blue, depending on how much you take. Um, and, you know, over the years, it's been used for numerous different, uh, different use cases. But in reality, like from a, a quote unquote biohackers perspective, or from somebody who's interested in health optimization, um, it does serve to improve organ health in many ways uh, through that oxygenation. It can help uh, with general levels of energy through ATP production. Um, and it also can help in sort of, uh, it's an antifungal, it's an antiviral, um, and it's been studied for they're now studying this, and this is discussed, um, Francisco and I discussed this a little bit, for potential uh, use cases in neurodegenerative diseases. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, preventing the onset of Alzheimer's, for instance. And so it's just this fascinating compound with this long, illustrious history and so many use cases, but nobody really talks about it that much because, well, a compound that was approved by the FDA in 18, late 1800s is no longer uh, patentable. And so, you know, mm -hmm. there's not that many people trying to use it as a pharmaceutical drug. And so I'm really glad that the health optimization movement has led to people experimenting with this. And, you know, caveat emptor with this, guys, right? Like it is a research compound. And CJ did mention something that is very important, which is that uh, methylene blue uh, should be pharmaceutical grade when you're consuming it. If you're not consuming pharmaceutical grade, you are opening yourself up to the potential for heavy metals. Uh, like you can go and buy methylene blue in your local fish store, but that will likely have some level of heavy metal content in it. Um, and it may not provide the same benefits as a result, because if you think of heavy metals, what do they do? They actually block your Krebs cycle. Um, and so you know, be careful on what you buy, but also be careful on the amount you consume. So there's a, what is called with methylene blue, there's something called a dose dependent curve. And so if you are taking uh, methylene blue, uh, it appears, and I use that term very, very strictly, it appears that the benefits um, from both a cognitive standpoint, but all of these sort of health benefits that I mentioned, tend to taper off at greater than three Gram, three grams per kilo, no, three milligrams per kilogram. Sorry, not three grams. Mm -hmm. That would be a lot. Yep. And so, and then greater than five uh, milligrams per kilogram tends to lead to um, oxidative stress and almost the opposite effects that what you would want. And so, uh, you know, it, there's, it's a fascinating compound, but like anything that is in the sort of the research classifications, caveat emptor, and just make sure you've done your research and, you know, read up quite a lot. I was about to ask you, have you ever used, I mean, you mentioned that you've used methylene blue to dye. Have you ever used methylene blue in your aquarium if you have one? I don't have an aquarium, but, um, okay. but uh, look, uh, if you look at uh, how 
aquariums are cleaned around the world actually uh, they use methylene blue and this is kind of interesting because it has antifungal properties right and so mm -hmm. i've been fascinated and again this is just an n of one experiment with just kind of looking at methylene blue for uh, gut health for instance because there's a lot of people out there with um fungal overgrowth something like candida for instance mm -hmm. and could methylene blue be used in the sort of regulation of candida um, it's something that i've experimented with and have had some pretty good success with but you know i will never officially say that people should go out and use it for that because it's not mm -hmm. one of those uh, officially researched ones and what are like let's talk about the dosage right you mentioned a few numbers and what is the best or the optimal time to take methylene blue? And you use it every day, so I'm assuming that it is safe to use every day. Yeah, uh, there's it, so it improves mitochondrial health, right? And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, with a certain extent, look, do we have double-blind randomized control tiles on long-term use of methylene blue in humans? Not really, um, mm -hmm. but. Uh, I was willing to take the research that I found in the discussions that I've had with some of these experts around the world and decide that, yeah, I could use it. I also have a family history of Alzheimer's and it's not something that I particularly want to encounter in my life. Um, but yes, uh, in terms of numbers and things that I take every day. So full disclosure, I am involved in a company uh, called Transcriptions and we use methylene blue in two of our products. And mm -hmm. so with blue canatine, um, there is 16, sorry, there's eight milligrams of methylene blue and blue canatine and uh, just blue, there's 16 milligrams of methylene blue in that. And so I will take anywhere between four, right now I'm taking 16 milligrams a day as a part of a quantified self experiment where I'm looking mm -hmm. at biological age and seeing if I can improve it via the use of methylene blue. Um, but you know, there's people out there that will easily take a hundred milligrams a day and have, have reported, you know, reasonable amounts of success with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can imagine because you run a company with it. So you are obviously seeing much more numbers and reviews and just, how people feel on methylene blue mm -hmm. and this is one of the reasons why we are discussing this for everyone who's listening is because we don't want you to be in an extreme camp of thinking oh i don't know about this or this is bad like let me share a, a recent example i was recently in india and while my time in india i decided to do a spiritual um spiritual kind of curiosity journey where I went to all of the energy hotspots in India and I mm -hmm. saw all kinds of crazy things happening around me. But one of the things that I've noticed, and this has been well established, is that people in India and places like China where they have medical systems, when we talk about the traditional Chinese medical system, which dates back 3000 years, or like the Ayurveda that is also staple in India and that dates about 5000 years ago, all of these people have been from from 5,000 years ago when they didn't have to answer emails, looking at ways to optimize their life, their biology and their brain. And they've been using the best that they could find at that time, like plant-based compounds, such as one thing that I can think of right now is Brahmi, which uh, is translated into Bacopa minori, which yeah. is also a very good nootropic, Fantastic. sort of nootropic or like something like aloe vid. So... And 
again, it's not just India. I mentioned China, but you can see this all over the world. Things that increase performance, people have been looking for it for decades. Let's mm-hmm. look at uh, maca root or sherba mate. So these are like some of the examples. So we want you to open yourself or just be curious enough to understand that, hey, if someone is popping a pill around you, which turns your tongue yellow, uh, sorry, tongue blue, my bad. Um, it's not it's not something weird. It is no. something that will make that person, let's say, a better person, a better mm-hmm. father, be much more patient in traffic and mm-hmm. things like that. So let's talk about your product. And you said, you mentioned before that stacking nootropics or these compounds are a good idea. With your nootropic compound, like blue canatine, you have methylene blue, you have nicotine, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if mm-hmm. I'm wrong, and caffeine. Yep, Is and, that hemp, and hemp crystals as well. And so. hemp crystals. And mm-hmm. do you think all of these work in a synergy? Yeah, so I, I think it's, let's kind of connect all the dots here, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So health optimization medicine practice, what we alluded to earlier, is that uh, practitioners of that particular philosophy uh, participate predominantly in something called nutrient balancing. We look at the metabolomics mm-hmm. of uh, your gut, we look at uh, food sensitivities, and then we look at micronutrient deficiencies and heavy metal presences, and then we balance those nutrients. For people, uh, nutrient balancing can generally take three to six months, sometimes longer depending on adherence, right? Um, And so transcriptions, the whole reason why transcriptions exist is because uh, a client comes into your purview, if you will, and ends up working with you. And sometimes they have an immediate need for something. Uh, This could be sleep, pain, anxiety, uh, a whole bunch of other issues. And uh, so transcriptions looks to fill that gap. So while nutrient balancing is kicking in, what we want to do is give people immediate relief. The first product that came out of that was blue canatine. And what was the issue that we're looking to solve? Well, uh, Dr. Ted, as well as myself and a few others, travel all around the world. And when you travel all around the world, particularly over periods of time, as I'm sure you know, CJ, you can experience uh, short-term memory loss as a result of traveling so much. You can certainly experience verbal fluency loss. As we know, we land and we try and give a presentation. Well, good luck in most cases. And so the question is, is sort of how do you perform from that? How do you perform in instances of sleep deprivation? I have a lot of clients that will use these products when they have new children because new children don't really like to sleep. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's really how transcriptions was born is filling the gaps in the in those various products and so when we created blue canatine the idea was is how do we create uh, a, a stack if you will that can deliver short-term memory benefits that can deliver uh, verbal fluency that can deliver a boosted level of energy and that can deliver really um, general health consequences that are positive and when we looked at uh, different 
molecules, if you will, the, the ones that came together were the four that we mentioned earlier. And because with anything, we like to look at what is the minimum effective dose that we can use. What we arrived at was that eight milligrams of methylene blue, that uh, those 50 milligrams of caffeine, so that's less than one cup of coffee, um, and, those, and really the five milligrams of hemp crystals or CBD, and uh, that one milligram of nicotine, so far below that five milligram quote-unquote addiction threshold, if mm -hmm. you will. And we tell people to take no more than four turkeys a day. What's interesting about, um, and I, we haven't covered the delivery mechanism really, about transcriptions is that the name is actually coming from uh, a couple of things. So Scriptions is a play on prescriptions. So we do everything pharmaceutical grade um, and mm -hmm. we lab test the hell out of all of our ingredients. And if it's not pure, it doesn't go into the formula. Um, we also are physician formulated. So Dr. Ted does all of our formulating along with a team of all-star physicians. Um, and we also use what is called a trochee. And a trochee is a delivery mechanism that is not necessarily familiar to most people. So let's go into that a little bit. A buccal trochee is used in the medical world for delivery of something like oxytocin. Oxytocin being uh, sort of that, that openness, that loving hormone, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and the buccal trochee is a lozenge that you stick in your upper lip. Um, for those of you who have had exposure to something like snus, it's very similar. Um, and you let it dissolve. You can see my tongue right now. I've had some before. And what it allows you to do is you bypass first pass metabolism, meaning that you don't have to go through the gut. Uh, mm -hmm. That helps in terms of the delivery timing the onset is around 15 minutes. It lasts for about four to six hours. But again, since uh, a large portion of the population out there, due to everything that you mentioned earlier, CJ, when it comes to the things that we're exposed to on a day-to-day -day basis, we have gut issues. Um, and so we bypass a lot of that gut. And so the buccal trochee is a very, very effective delivery mechanism for um, delivering our products and really seeking to help fill that gap before nutrient balancing kicks in. Mm -hmm. Well, that's um, that's quite interesting how you're able to surpass the acidic nature of the gut and mm -hmm. just dive deep into um, dive deep into the bloodstream via this delivery mechanism. Very, very mm -hmm. interesting. And for people who are listening, when we're talking about all these combinations, it shouldn't be new to you about, apart from metal and blue for some of you, because when you look at the classic movies or you read books on some things, you would also find a combination of these things, such as caffeine or nicotine. You see it at in the movies, you can go out to your local cafe and you'll see people who will smoke. They'll, I mean, people who drink coffee, they will also go and smoke. And I also found a study from the Journal of Epidemiology and Communal Health, where they took a thousand people boomer. And they had, I can't remember, right, but they had some sort of minor cancer. And they compared people who are smoking and drinking coffee and people who are smoking and not drinking coffee. But people who were just smoking by itself. Now, when we talk about smoking, we're talking about nicotine and caffeine combination. That people who just smoked were seven times more likely to be affected by the same cancer as non-smokers. And regular smokers who drank coffee, even like 
one or two times per week had even like lesser chances of developing something like this. So these combinations have always been working and they've been working around you. What we're telling you now today is that Boomer and Dr. Ted have come up with very specific combinations that have been tested and tried and has been supported by a very big health community. And these are doctors, physicians, and this is what they're trying to do. And honestly, I kudos to you for doing that. Yeah, well, thank you. And look, it's all the efforts of Dr. Ted and the the physicians on the, on the team because, you know, I, what's interesting is at, at Transcriptions, the way we do product development is, is quite different. So initially, we, we have a hypothesis or an idea, and we'll build a list of all the compounds that potentially work for that idea. And then we'll start trying them on people within our team that may have a particular mm -hmm. condition. Um, you can probably sense it based on my background story, but I had a history with anxiety. And right now we're probably a, a couple of months away from releasing something that will be dealing with the stress components of life. And so I got to be the guinea pig, if you will, um, <laughs> for, for the, for the uh, anxiety uh, formulation. And so we, we got to, you know, try some stuff out. And, you know, once we've tried and got a formula that we like, then we roll it out to our community of uh, beta testers. And once we get that right, then we'll roll it out to the public. And so that one is late stage beta and potentially looking to be released soon. But again, it's, it's a fun group to be a part of because we get to, we always try whatever mm -hmm. we're coming up with first. And the idea is, is how do we create uh, the most effective product out there with minimal amount of ingredients um, in a unique delivery mechanism that's also fun as well. Amazing. And um, I am excited. Congratulations first. And I'm also excited to see your new product and what mm -hmm. is it all about. Now, you mentioned that you had some kind of a toxicity with jet fuel. Now, a lot of people who are listening to this show have also been in the past, they've been traveling a lot. A lot of <laughs> um, pilots uh, regularly listen to this show. So what is one of, or what kind of a hack or thing have you discovered that can reduce the amount of jet fuel toxicity when it comes to someone who is traveling a lot? Because yeah. we haven't never spoken about something like this. Yeah, it's um, so first off with all of these, I think it's worth measuring, right? Because mm -hmm. um, one of the things I pride myself on is not being uh, dogmatic. And I think there's a, a nutrition, and this is probably why I, I don't have millions and millions of followers, but like, you know, the fact is, is that, you know, there's 7 billion people on this planet. And what works for me may not necessarily work for CJ, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And there is, if you have the means, going deeper and understanding uh, more about your metabolome, your biochemistry, and doing all of the lab testing will provide you a picture into how your detoxification systems are working. Some people have more advanced detoxification systems than others. And so you can run... Um, the test that I use is called a Genova NutriVal test, um, mm -hmm. but it allows you to dig deeper into your micronutrients to understand um, 
also how your body processes oxidative stress and presence of a metabolite called MTBE, which is uh, largely associated with uh, jet fuel, gasolines, and those types of things. Mm -hmm. um, so once you've identified that, and let's say you do have a higher level of toxicity as a result of a compromised detoxification system, well, there are simple buffers that you can start looking at, right? So to boost detoxification systems, particularly something like a glutathione, uh, N-acetylcysteine appears to work very, very well in people in boosting glutathione numbers. But you can also look at how to help rid your body of these toxins. And so mm -hmm. alpha lipoic acid uh, works very, very well. And so what you're doing is you're just, you're helping to support the antioxidant system in the body. So even simple things like vitamin C uh, tend to help with the antioxidants. But, uh, you know, when it comes to jet fuel, there's also potential presence of heavy metals and those kind of things, right? And so if you're getting a Genova Nutrival test, you're also going to get some sense of what your heavy metal content is going to be. And based on that, you can start to look at uh, forms of pulling those heavy metals out. Well, alpha lipoic acid tends to be very effective in large amounts of people um, mm -hmm. by taking something like 200 milligrams three times a day. Again, I'm not a physician here. I just know it was worked, worked with me mm -hmm. and among my clients. Um, and also you can look at uh, other uh, avenues of chelating. Uh, the harsher chelating, uh, like IV chelations, I tend to avoid unless a person is really shown complete resistance to detoxifying heavy metals. But, you know, initial ones that seem to work very, very well are, um, are is alpha lipoic acid, like I just mentioned. So something like IV would be EDTA? Yeah, EDTA, DMPS, those types of okay. uh, those types of chelators. Look, I've done them on myself because I'm a big mm -hmm. believer in self experimentation and trying these things. Um, mm -hmm. But the question is: is once you've chelated them, do you get all of them out of the body, or does it just simply move it to a different location in the body? Um, and you know, those can be very, very effective when done under the appropriate supervision with the right physician, etc. But oftentimes, um, you can you can do more harm than is necessary initially, especially when you can start removing stuff like alpha with alpha lipoic acid, which would be that these toxins are essentially mobilizing, and then they can deposit in other places, like cross the blood-brain barrier, and then kind of have like this neurotoxic effect. Right? Yeah, that, that would be an example. Okay, perfect. So, Boomer, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. A lot of people, including myself, have learned so much from you, and I really thank you for that. But before you go, I want to ask you, if you were to rewind like 10 or 15 years, approximately 10 to 15 years, like in your late 20s mm -hmm. or like early to late 20s, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice, like the current you would go back and go back in time, imagine you have a spaceship and then yeah. talk to your younger self, what would that be? Uh, can I give myself two? <laughs> yeah, you can go as many as you want. Okay. Um, the first one would be sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, and sleep more. Uh, between the age of 18 and 30, I mentioned earlier that I slept between four and six hours a night. Mm -hmm. uh, now I'm 
I'm happy where I am, which is between seven and seven and a half. And that works really, really well for me. And it seems to work very well for all of my biochemistry. Mm -hmm. Um, so sleep more, uh, the second piece of advice, and maybe I'll end up with three here, <laughs> is, is measure and measure frequently. Um, there is this old adage that wrongly gets attributed to Peter Drucker because Peter Drucker just had a good PR person, but it's actually said by Lord Byron, which is what gets measured gets managed, and that's absolutely true. And so even though I was in a part of this whole quantified self-movement, I wasn't measuring effectively so getting underneath the hood and looking at your biochemistry and understanding the co components of the Krebs cycle and what I'm deficient in and how, why it's impacting my production of ATP and all of that stuff, it gives you a sense of what you need. And that picture is incredibly valuable. If you think about it, we are all inundated with information right now to take this, to take that. And it's mm -hmm. all usually incentivized by affiliate commissions and all these other things. But by doing the testing, you can decide what is right for you. And you can start to build a filter on this world uh, to determine what is right for you and to listen to the things that matter to you and to really throw out all the other crap. And then the third thing that I would say to myself is it's a game. Have fun. And okay. because, you know, I don't know if we have multiple lives, but I'm pretty sure it's more fun to view this one as a game. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was a very serious person for a very long time. And now I'm, I'm a lot happier playing this game of life. <laughs> Amazing. So let's review that one more time for everyone who's listening. And I'm hoping you guys are taking notes. But if you're driving, please don't take notes. First thing <laughs> that Boomer said, sleep and sleep more. It is essential to almost, and I would say probably it's one of the biggest biohacks that you can do. Not just sleeping, but sleeping effectively. And if you have some kind of means like an aura ring or like maybe a Fitbit or anything that can give you some kind of a quantified information on what, how you're sleeping and what your sleep cycles are, that will give you the ultimate boost in performance, whether it's at the gym or in the office or just in your life. Mm -hmm. The second thing that Boomer mentioned was, um, I forget, what was the second thing you said? Uh, the second thing was measure and measure often. Measure and measure. Track it track it so eventually you will be able to have enough information to hack it because again biochemical individuality which is i am different from boomer and boomer is different from you know his neighbor and every one of us is different so if paleo worked for you or if keto worked for you or if carnivore is working for you it doesn't mean that it's going to work for everyone everyone yeah. is different like just just to give an example boomer was talking about these detoxification pathways and he said that someone could be better at detoxifying now with all the things i do i'm terrible at detoxifying because i'm missing one of the essential genes i have a deletion yeah. of one gene that regulates detoxification process so again track it understand it so you can hack it and at the end of the day whatever you do remember it is what it is and just have fun because if you're serious you're you're going to take unwanted load that is just going to pull you under water not push you up and again if you're relaxed if you're happy if you're less stressed out that also will increase your um just your overall performance and longevity because we know that you know when you're relaxed and de-stressed your telomerase which is an enzyme that dictates how big your telomeres are 
also changes. So go ahead, have fun, enjoy. Boomer, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I'm really grateful for you being on the show and you just doing the work that it's taking to improve everyone else's life. Thank you so much. CJ, it's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. If there's anything I could do for you, let me know. Thank you so much. And this is me, CJ, signing off from Shift with CJ podcast. Everyone have an energetic day, a week, a month, a year, a lifetime ahead of you. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website, www.shiftwithcj.com.